Hi guys, and welcome to the Figure It Outable podcast. I'm your host, Carly Visconto, and this is a space where we talk all things navigating life in your 20s, diving into the topics of health, wellness, career, faith, relationships, and so much more. No longer are the days where we have to act like we have it all figured out. In a world that likes to pretend, join me for your dose of reality, proving that you can live your happiest life while figuring it out at the same damn time. Thank you so much, though, for agreeing to do this. I'm so excited because, like I said, I've been following you for some time. Um, I remember I was working at Credit Suisse with Sarah, and it was over COVID. Right. And it was when you were doing a lot of your virtual workouts. Yes. And she was like, you've got to try them. Like, they are so difficult. And I remember I did one one morning, and I was, like, huffing and puffing. It was, like, before work at a ripe, like, 5 a.m. I was dripping sweat in my living room. I love that. That's great. <laughs> I, feel like I it, It's so sad. First of all, that feels, like, so long ago. Now I'm, you know, back in person, and I have been back in person teaching for a while. Um, but, yeah, I'm, like, oh, like, I, I kind of sort of miss that in some weird ways because now I connect with so many more people in person in Austin through my classes. But – I felt like I connected with so many more people from like random parts of Your my life. Your reach was different. Yeah. Right. Just because I was like, oh my gosh, I used to like, you just it connected people in really like different ways. But anyway, so. It seems like you wear a lot of hats and like, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you today because if I could craft a job truly, like it would be yours. You have so many different elements of like getting to genuinely connect and help people I'm assuming like you are obviously like a big lover of wellness and fitness and then just having that creative outlet of the blog and the content that you create and just being able to have a platform that serves a purpose because I think that's kind of few and far between these days and like just to be able to put out content that can actually help people instead of just consume part like time in their day is 100% probably so gratifying, but obviously you didn't just wake up and have all this. I want to really like take it back to the beginning and like even before all the career stuff, like I just kind of want to learn a little bit about who Georgia is and where you grew up um, and then like your college experience. Yeah, of course. Um, So I grew up in Leawood, Kansas, which is like a suburb of Kansas City, um, sort of like South Kansas City. And yeah, to your point, I've always been super into wellness. And my mom was really, I feel like there was a point in my childhood where my parents became much more interested in, in like health and wellness, which was great. So I feel like I've always been sort of exposed to certain elements through them, but I think over time it kind of, it built and sort of went in different directions. So there was sort of a nutrition piece to that, but also like, for example, my mom like forced our whole family to do this. Like it's, it's called, um, I want to say TCM, but that's traditional Chinese medicine. That's not it. It's transcendental meditation. TM is what people call it. She like not really made, but like encouraged our family to all go through this like very extensive training to like be trained in TM. And I was like, this was the summer after my senior year in high, in high school. So looking back, I'm like, I did not have any appreciation of like what was going on. Now I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh. So like these more like holistic practices have been like a part of my, I guess, upbringing maybe yeah Yeah, upbringing for quite is your mom in that space for a career or she's just into it she's just into it and like another example is like I was going to an acupuncturist in like middle school high school for like random things and because my parents were doing that and anyway so they really set the precedent I think and that was really what I guess triggered my interest in wellness um but yeah, so I went to college in North Carolina I went to Wake Forest University okay and I didn't study nutrition looking back, I think that it would have made a lot of sense, but I'm not a math and sciencey person. So I think that, you know, realistically looking at what it would have taken to, you know, do exercise science or anything like that. It just was not what my like brain was geared towards. I was much more of a like history, English, reading, writing, like those are my strengths. And so anyway, I like was a communications major. I had minors in psychology and entrepreneurship. So 
at that point, I was really just studying things that were interesting and like calm obviously is very universal. You can go a lot of different directions with that. And because I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, I felt like sort of broadening my horizons was helpful, but in retrospect, it's funny because all of those things are really, they play really well into what I do now. So I'm like, it's kind of funny in a really unintentional backwards way. It kind of worked. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, post, so I post-college, I guess in college, really, I really, again, wanted to, you know, be in the wellness world, work maybe for like a big health and wellness company. I, I wanted to be in Austin. I grew up coming here a lot. I have a lot of family in Texas. So I sort of set my sights on Austin, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of kids in college probably feel the same way that you're like, what am I qualified to do? I have no experience. And so it sort of narrows your, you know, scope. Uh, possibility scope in yeah. some way. Um, but you know, in Austin, there's a lot of companies based here, like whole foods and a lot of other, I don't know, like food brands and things like that are headquartered here. So there's a quite a bit of that influence, which I was really cool. Um, so I applied for some of those companies. And of course, as you realize, you're like that you need five to 10 years of experience. And you're like, I'm 22 or I'm like, <laughs> I have no experience in anything. So anyway, nothing worked out for me in that realm, which at that point, you know, it was so frustrating because I felt like, you know, I wanted to be in that, I don't know, in that field in some way, whether that was yeah. like marketing, advertising, I don't really know. I was like social media, like calm. How do I use that? But um, anyway, so I ended up getting a job for, because I needed a job and I was like, I'm moving here. I need to have a job. So I ended up getting a job with a company called Insight Global, which is a IT staffing and recruiting firm had nothing to do with health wellness at all. Um, absolutely hated it because I just felt so... I don't know, misaligned with what I really wanted to do. And I think I quickly realized also that I really just like the corporate world was just not for me. I always think too, you know, you hear a lot of these stories where people are like, I hated the corporate world. So I went out and did my own thing. And I think it sort of glorifies like entrepreneurship and that, which in some ways that's wonderful. But I also think that like, there's something wrong with the corporate world. I think that's something I always remind people too, is like, just because it wasn't for me. And that really goes back to like, probably my innate personality and like how I feel fulfilled. That doesn't make it wrong to go to a corporate job. And some people thrive and love it. Like part of you wished I would, you know, I was sort of disappointed. And I, at that point in my life, I kind of saw that as a failure because I'd always, you know, done really well in school, gotten the school I wanted to go to succeeded, you know, academically. And then I went to this job and felt like, even though I was succeeding quote unquote, in what I was doing and progressing and kind of going on the right track to promotion and whatever, I just didn't feel fulfilled by it. And so that was really like, that was more personal than like this company's bad or the corporate world is bad. And so, you know, everyone's different, but I think that I, moral of the story was, I just think that through a lot of introspection and like a very tough period of my life of just really being unhappy and depressed and super anxious and all the things, just realized I needed to align in some way what I could do for work and you know, what I actually enjoyed and what were my passions were and sort of combining my passion, and my purpose for me, those things needed to be aligned. But I talk about this a lot with clients too. Some people's passion and purpose don't necessarily have to like intertwine with their work. You know, you're like, you can find purpose in your job and find passion outside of that, whether that's through a side hobby, through that's like volunteering through whatever. Um, I think for me, I just, found that those things needed to be intertwined for me to feel good. Is that make sense? I always talk about this as well because it's like, yes, jobs serve different purposes for different people. Yes. So people will say like, I don't live to work. I work to live. Exactly. And this is kind of a common theme, especially on something that I talk about on the podcast, mainly because I ask myself this question still. Right. And I'm kind of in between jobs right now where I can take it either direction. It's like, Part of me thought maybe I wanted to dive into the health and fitness space and right. maybe be kind of more of an entrepreneur or at least take more of that mindset. Right. And then part of me is like, but maybe you want that corporate world and the stability right. of that and just to make money and not have to worry about it and have a really fulfilling life outside of it with experiences. Right. And it's a really hard question to answer. And I don't really think anybody knows the answer until they're in a role that they feel truly happy with the outcome and the day-to-day. -day. 100%. And there's no right or wrong. I think that you know there are pros and cons to everything. There are pros and cons to working in a corporate job, and there are pros and cons to working for yourself, too. Um, you know, it's, it's so much harder in a lot of ways, and it's easier in some ways. So you don't get it all, and 
you know, I'm so grateful to do what I do and to have more flexibility and to make my own schedule and, you know, work on projects and be self-motivated in that way. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, of cons too. And, you know, I actually have a friend that is another, you know, she is a, I guess you'd say a wellness blogger, but she does a lot of, you know, she did a lot of freelance work for brands. It's just an example, but she actually just went back and got a full-time job in the wellness space. But, you know, she talks a lot on her page about like, you know, kind of almost doing the reverse, like working for yourself and then actually going back. And she's like, I love the structure. I'm so much happier. You know, I, it's not so, you know, make what you kill sort of situation. And so it's, it really is depends on your situation, your personality, like everyone's a little bit different. So I think either, or can be glorified sometimes. Thousand percent. You have to kind of figure out what works for you. And that may take a little bit of trial and error. It may take quitting your job and trying your own thing. And then either you succeed or you say, Oh wait, I actually really liked the stability of my job. And you go back, like nothing is permanent. I think also like trying some, trying different things and like taking risks is important, especially like at our age and like our time of life. And that doesn't mean you can't always like go back and make a change. You know, like nothing is written in stone. Agree. And I, I feel like when we make a change, we feel like we can't mm-hmm. kind of undo that because it's quote unquote, like failing or quote unquote, like yeah. going back on your word. But it's like, that's, that's a win. That's right. a win to realize that you tried something and it wasn't for you. Like if you yep. hadn't made that leap, you would have always had that thought in the back of your head. What if, Yeah. and you don't know until you try. So 100%. I mean, I've had so many of those, like working a corporate job, feeling like I failed at it and then leaving my job and like trying to figure it out. And, you know, having all these sort of miss, not really missteps, they felt like missteps in the moment that really led me to something that was so much better, but it's, you feel like there's sort of like a, you're disappointing yourself. You're disappointing other people. And I think really what I've learned is just like, it's the fear of what other, I think other people are going to think about me and how that somehow reflects upon, I don't know, my success or whatever. But I think what I've learned is no one really cares. No one's really paying that much attention to what I'm doing because everyone's worried about their own career and their own day to day. And like, the groceries they have to go get and the errands like they have to go run and no one really cares that much yeah, about what yeah we're not that important as much as we would no. love to think we are yeah, <laughs> we're really we not. not you know you're like yeah you because at the end of the day no one's keeping as close tabs as you might think yeah so how long were you at inside global before you and was that your only corporate job before kind of veering off on into the entrepreneurial spirit so i was there for like six months and okay another little miss not really again misstep but pivot in my plan is so I actually I quit my job and then I went back to grad school because I was like one I need to do something I don't really want to work for another corporate company but at that point I didn't have I had not started any of my blog or anything like that so I actually went back to grad school stayed in Austin um, for my MBA and really at that point I thought you know okay this is a great way for me to one take a little bit more time to figure out what it is I want to do but two, you know, at that point I felt like, okay, you know, I, this might be the opportunity to add something to my resume that, you know, the whole foods of the world or the whatever might say, okay, now you have the experience that we need for XYZ roles. And I thought that maybe that would be my pivot into a corporate job in that field. But what I sort of learned through my experience in grad school, which I, I love school. I love being a student. So like, that was exciting for me. I would be a forever student if possible. Um, but really the biggest takeaway, I mean, amongst learning a lot of other things in school was just that I was like, I don't even want to go work for a corporate company, period. Like, I think we also glorify, like, you know, even if it's just in the wellness space, doesn't mean that that corporate job is not going to be just as unfulfilling as anything else. I think what I realized is it wasn't necessarily the work. It was just the, you know, I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to make my own schedule again. And I wanted to feel like I was working like all the time and effort that I was putting into my job was for some sort of benefit that was my own. I think that, you know, that, and that would, doesn't matter if it's an insect global or whole foods or whatever, you're still completing tasks for somebody else. And I think that my, just maybe my own personality is just geared towards like, I wanted to do something that I felt like I was building something myself. Um, Anyway, so my time in grad school, that's actually when I also, in the midst of like a quarter life crisis, was like, I just need to begin pursuing some things that make me really happy while I'm figuring it out. And that's when I went through like teacher training at Core Power. I started my blog. I started my like social media account really just for fun. And again, I really loved to write. I loved 
combining my well, like my, I guess, passion for wellness and my sort of strengths, I guess it was like writing and loved cooking and things like that. And it felt like a really nice way to sort of meld some of those things. Um, and really, again, just for fun to kind of see who knows where it would take me. And as I continued just to like very, very slowly build all those things, but really just over time was like, I'm spending so much, you know, a lot of time on, you know, these different outlets, like my blog and my Instagram and things like that. It sort of occurred to me, I'm like, okay, I really enjoy this. I love being able to help people, being able to share the things that, you know, bring joy into my life, how I'm, you know, prioritizing my health and wellness, whatever. And I want to, you know, begin sort of thinking like, how could I make this potentially my business? That's when I came across IIN, which is the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and sort of learned about it, saw a lot of people that had done it. And it just began coming up in my life, like time and time again, in really weird ways. So sort of looked into that and learned, you know, that you can be a health coach and you can get certified and you can actually, you know, have to take on clients and things like that, which felt like, okay, this is a way to one, actually help people in a more, you know, it's in a one-on-one, it's more, I don't know, intentional, deeper way, but also make what I'm doing into a actual job in business and make this what I do. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of sort of a jig jog way to what I do now, it wasn't a super straightforward path, but in retrospect, I think I needed all of those experiences working in the corporate world briefly going back to grad school to figure it out. I needed that time and I needed those sort of eye-opening, I think, I don't know, yeah, experiences to, to yeah. get where I am now. Otherwise I would have not, had I just done this right out of school, first of all, I didn't know ex- I could do this. It didn't exist in my mind. And I wouldn't have had the experience and the understanding of you know what makes me happy and going through some uncomfortable, I don't know, sort of um, like, experiences that really made me kind of grow up in a lot of ways and sort of step into a more like an adult confident version of me than I was in school. I I would have not had the perspective, but also I think just the confidence to do what I do now. Well, that's something I definitely wanted to touch on. Like it takes a lot of confidence, not only to go a little bit less of a traditional route, but also to put yourself out there. So I wanted to talk about starting Goodness with G and just the brand And when you first kind of created the blog and the Instagram, like when you are kind of self-promoing it and the first time you're stepping on an Instagram story and you're filming yourself behind the scenes, like it all probably feels very unnatural. Yeah, I think at the beginning, it's always unnatural. And there's nothing about like talking to your phone (laughs) to like into the black abyss of like social media that is comfortable. Obviously, it gets so much easier over time. But really what gets easier is just caring less about what other people think. Similar to what we were saying earlier of just like your career steps and things like that. Like no one really cares that much. You know, people are going to think something about you starting social media and talking into your phone and whatever. But some of that, I think what I found is comes from a little bit of it's an insecurity and it's a reflection of how that makes them feel about themselves. And, you know, for better or for worse, like you going out and starting your own thing is something a lot of people don't have the um, confidence or, you know, to do. And so a lot of that, if people are judging or say something about it, you know, I think I have to remind myself, like it's, that makes them feel some type of way about, you know, I don't know, their lack of X, Y, Z. And so it's really not about you. Um, Putting yourself out there is, is scary, but I think I got to the point where I was so miserable doing what I was doing that I'm like, I need to do things that challenge me and, you know, in sort of feel like they're pushing me in the right direction, that they're scary. And even today, I feel like with my job, I do things every single day that are uncomfortable. I think that's a huge thing that I would encourage anyone to do is find little things that sort of scare you and, and go towards them. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Um, one part that I wanted to touch on with social media, because I feel like yeah. it's a double-edged sword where it there's a ton of great things that come out of it, yeah. but then there's also some not great things that come out of it. And I think it was on your Instagram. I saw somebody yeah. made a comment thanking you for showing the amount of food that you eat. Like your plate was loaded up yeah. and I was like, I love this because I am also full plate club and then yeah. queen plate club. Like <laughs> I can eat, but it's so funny because 
every other time I feel like I'm seeing like influencers or people that are not in the wellness space, but are very much contributing to it negatively and making people compare how much they should or shouldn't be eating. And like being in the wellness space and being a health coach like you are, I would imagine it'd be like so frustrating because I would think that sometimes clients come to you with these preconceived notions of things that they should or shouldn't be doing based off of things that they get off of TikTok or Instagram, whether it's subconscious or consciously, like our brain is so affected by what we're seeing on a day-to-day basis. And it's sad that we're in this consistent game of comparison when really we're all so unique and different and our needs are so different. Oh yeah. I think that there's a lot of sort of deprogramming that we have to do with, I mean, for all of us, but you know, when I start working with clients, there's a lot of, you know, there's ask a lot of questions of like, what do you think about this or this? Because I saw a TikTok that told me I needed to do X, Y, Z. And I think, you know, Instagram plays a big role in that. TikToks maybe even made it more challenging because you just are inundated with content all the time. And yeah, I think that it's, it's very challenging. I mean, I'm, I'm influenced by it too. We all are to your point, even if subconsciously to a certain extent. And so I think because I know how impactful what people share is, I'm trying to be really mindful to, to not be a negative in, you know, influence on other people. And again, just to be authentic to me, like, I'm not going to show a plate with two pieces of asparagus or whatever, because I feel like that's what, you know, people want to see, or that's, I don't know what other people are doing because that might negatively impact or trigger someone else. And so I, I understand it as a consumer. And so I think I, that is maybe more mindful as a source of content. I don't know on social media, it, it takes time too, for people to sort of understand that social media is not a great source of valid information, but two, that we're all so, so unique. And so, you know, I always really harp on like the idea of like bio-individuality and that we're all so different. And, you know, we've heard it a million times, but it's like, if you, you know, if you eat and exercise the same as like your favorite fitness influencer, you're still not going to look like them, which is maybe depressing for some people, but, but it's true. And I think that, you know, the idea that we potentially could look like those people is exactly why people create fitness programs or, you know, meal plans or things like that. And a lot of the intention behind those is to, you know, help people improve their lives. But there is also this little subtleness of like, I'm going to look like that person. If I do all the things that they do, it's the, what I eat in the day videos. It's usually start with like a little body check in the mirror, like showing your abs, (laughs) like what I eat in a day. And it's like, okay, but if I eat that, I'm not going to look like you because unfortunately genetics are just there and they're there. Exactly. And so you really have to find some ways to begin to kind of tune that out and really, you know, listen to your own body. And that's so much easier said than done. But that's why, again, I like working with clients because we can do that together and I can help them sort of get there over time. So much content is solely geared towards going viral. And that's so frustrating because I think I, like you said earlier, my goal, and this is so genuine, it sounds so corny, but it's true. Like my whole goal is to provide value for people give them tips that will improve their day to help them improve their health, providing recipes that might inspire them to eat more nutritious foods or make cooking fun, like all of those types of things. And, you know, there's to your point, like it's the body check before the, what I eat in the day. It's the, you know, like kind of, I don't want to say spam, but it's like this very like clickbaity content. Yeah. That is so frustrating. Very in your. Face. I know that that creator just so, did that because that's going to be a vir- that's going to be a video yeah. that does really really well. And you know, on one hand, I understand that like increasing your reach and growing on social media is is can be an important part of your business. It's a part of my business too. Well, there's a very big difference between followers and a community, and I feel like 100%. your long game yes. strategy has really built a community. And I think that people who are coming to your page are seeking something more than just a what I eat in a day and you provide that. And so I feel like your vibe attracts your tribe in all aspects of life, but like this especially. And so the people that engage with your content and follow you are doing it for a greater purpose. Thank Um, you. I appreciate that. Of course. (laughs) That's the goal for sure is to build community at the end of the day. Yes, absolutely. I'm very curious about like your 
morning and night routine because I feel like you've probably found some things that work and I'm a huge routine person. I truly feel like the way that you start and end your day can set yourself up for success. Right. Um, so can you walk us through yes, the morning routine first? Um, I totally agree. You're absolutely right. It very much does set you up for success. Um, I actually led a workshop last Wednesday evening about morning and evening routines. And so I have that recorded on my website. If anyone wants to, we talk Love like it. a lot about that. So that would be helpful. But, um, I think, you know, of course, back to what we were saying earlier, everyone's different. And so I always want to remind people like what works for my morning routine might not be plausible with your life circumstances. And so I think the biggest takeaway I want people to understand about any sort of routine, it couldn't you know, beyond morning and evening, but doing things that are doable, you know, set yourself up for success by not thinking I have to do this 45 step morning routine. And I even mentioned this in that workshop, kind of going off what you were just saying of like what you see on social media. Again, all of the videos on my like explore page are those like super aesthetic, beautiful, you know, morning routines with like the greens and the lemon water and my beautifully lit apartment and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. Like I, on one hand, envy how beautiful that video is, but in reality, like my morning routine is not that aesthetic. So I think, you know, one sort of understanding that that's not necessarily what your routine needs to look like and choosing a few things that are doable. So anyway, but what I found works for me is morning routine wise, something that I've really found to maybe be the most impactful thing is staying off of my phone for the first, at least 30 minutes of my day. I call it like a phone free 30. And at least I would love to do like a phone free 60, but anyway, so waking up, turning off my alarm, you know, brushing my teeth, whatever, changing all those things. And I like, you know, go downstairs, let the dog out, start the coffee, like put away the dishes. Even those, those things are not very, again, aesthetic or fun. But life isn't always aesthetic. Right. Fun. I'm like, like putting like, like, like you have to do that. You know, yes. Content has you made don't. it seem like, I mean, I love romanticizing life, but like there's also an aspect of reality. And like right. yeah. at the end of the day, life is yeah. not aesthetic. And I think there's this, you know, false perception that it always is. And I just feel like right. a little side note, like yeah. it shouldn't be like the dishwasher needs to get unloaded. Before right. And like the day dog needs to go out. Yeah. Right. right. Not so, sexy, but it's the reality. Exactly. And so to your point, yeah, romanticize the little moments, but also like, I like those parts of my routine, you know, letting the dog out, putting the dishes away. Like that's a part of my routine where I'm not on my phone. I'm at least being, you know, I'm it's quiet. Like it actually is a good part of your routine, but once I have all those things, you know, they're not big things. They don't take long, but have those things accomplished. I do like have my coffee and I sit down and I do, I like to do like a 10 minute meditation. I use like the headspace guided meditation app usually. And then I have like a little devotional that I'll read. And then after that all happens, I'll, you know, be able to get into my day. I allow myself on my phone, whatever, but I really think just staying off your phone first thing in the morning is super important. And same thing with evening routines. I always try to tell like clients or whoever, you know, those, that first time when you're first waking up and the time before bed really can dictate, you know, your stress, how well you sleep, just your anxiety level for the day. And, you know, because social media and our email and all those kinds of things are just inundating us with like panic or, you know, even just content you know, that you're immediately thinking about all the things everyone else is doing using that time off of your phone to do those little morning and evening routine hacks, you know, in the evening, it's like, okay, I try to stay off my phone for the last 30 minutes. And I use that time to, you know, kind of tidy and organize my space, maybe fold a little laundry, write my to-do list for the next day, you know, read a little bit and then go to sleep. What about your workouts? Are you a morning person or an evening person? I'm personally a morning person. I just find that if I don't do it in the morning, I get distracted with a million other things and I kind of dread it. I was going to say, me personally, it hangs over my head, even though I love being active and I love working out. I love working out before 9 a.m. After 9 a.m., I miss my window. I agree. I totally agree. So usually, you know, after I meditate and do all my things, then I'll either go to a workout class or do whatever, go for a run, whatever I'm doing that day. But I'm personally a morning, morning workout person. One, it just sets the tone for my day, but I just also find that it kind of, get, you know, energizes me, but it, it also then it's done. It's over with, but some people, again, that doesn't make morning workouts better. I always find, I teach an evening class at core power and, you know, people are, it's always really packed and meaning a lot of people come right from work. And I'm always like, you guys rock. Like I envy 
you guys getting your butts here right after work. But personally, that would not happen for me. I would just go home. Right. But then some of them are probably like, well, I don't have a choice. If I have children at home, they need to get ready. They need to eat breakfast. They need to go to school. I always laugh because I feel like I forget about that subset of people because I'm just not in that stage of life. But a few episodes back, I recorded like a non-negotiables. And I basically like said all of these things. Like I like to like plate my meals. I like to sit down. I like to like to have a long walk in the morning. Like all of these things that might be realistic and achievable for somebody like me who's 25 without children. I'm not going into the office every day anymore. My sister texted me. I was like, I'm literally laughing at your non-negotiables because she is a three-month-year-old and a three-year-old at home. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, girl, you're not the target audience for this yeah, one. You like, are not the target audience. I would hate me too if I'm sitting there listening to me be like, yeah. and do this and do this and a skincare. Right. Like, it's just not everybody. Realistic. Yes. Right. And, and that's okay. Like, everyone's in a different age and stage. And so, you know, even yeah, for me, it's like once we have children and things like that. Like my whole routine is going to be thrown upside down and that's okay. We will figure it out and we will make it work at that point. Everyone's schedule is different. And, you know, we all have more or less flexibility. So figure out what works for you and don't get discouraged if you can't do the 12 item morning routine. Right. Like pick one, prioritize. Yeah. A couple of things, make those your priority, you know, your, your priority for that day or moving forward. And, and that's okay. Um, I want to go back to the workout piece because obviously you are a core power instructor. So first I wanted to ask like the difference between being a um, person in the workout class versus teaching. Like, yeah. is there a big difference to you between when you're like on stage leading the class yeah. versus just a member of it? Uh, for sure. I think, you know, when you're leading it, you're just trying to get the words out of your mouth to a certain extent. Like the class that I teach specifically, um, I mean, in a lot of, obviously a lot of classes would be similar, but you're talking for an hour straight and our classes, at least at core power, like the yoga sculpt class, the movements are to the music. You create your own playlist, you create your own sequence, your own class. Um, it takes quite a bit of memorization and thought and preparation. So if there's a lot that goes into it and it gets way easier over time, I'm, it's so much easier now than it was for me years ago of course, but you know, you're just kind of trying to get through it and remember everything. So you're by no means doing the whole workout. You're, you know, demoing, but you're also walking around, you're speaking, but it's, um, mentally maybe more work, but when you're doing the class, obviously it's physically much more strenuous, but it definitely, I think it's probably changed the way that I exercise as well, but that's maybe not as much because of teaching, but I think it's my sort of evolution with my own health and wellness has evolved. I, you know, work out for so many different reasons than I used to like in college where, you know, I went to a school where it was, I loved every moment of it. It was a wonderful place to go to school, but it was a hyper competitive environment. Everyone was super smart and super fit and had it all going on. And you feel like you enter into that environment and you're like, Oh God, I got to keep up. And I have to be as thin as everybody else and effortless as everyone else. And so it, it was not effortless for me. I really probably seeped into some more disordered eating habits, over-exercising, cardio, plus, plus, plus. And it took me a while to sort of understand that that is not, first of all, sustainable or healthy. And it was doing way more damage on my mindset and my body than anything. Um, and I exercise now for so many different reasons, you know, and in totally different ways and a lot more low impact and, you know, weights and, you know, trying to feel strong and grounded. And that is not necessarily how I used to exercise. So I think a lot of people go through that evolution, but. And a lot of times I feel like it's in college too. 100%. I mean, you're on your own for the first time. You're kind of thrown into an environment where your peers are from all over. You're just, you're very vulnerable. And you're living with other people. So you're comparing your habits and routines to those around you. 100%. It's hard. It's really hard. I went through the same thing in college. I was on the cross country and track team. So I was consistently wow. not only comparing right. myself to my teammates who just naturally had different builds than me, right. thinking that our you know physical appearance was able to dictate what we were able to do on the right. course, on the track, but also just comparing myself to other people who were not athletes that maybe had more of that naturally tiny, like less muscular build that I kind of started to envy and they didn't have to eat as much as me because they weren't obviously 
running 10 miles a day. Like it was just different. It took a long time for me to dig myself out of that hole in terms of my hormones and my mentality around food and exercise. And it wasn't until the last like year or two that I've started Mm -hmm. to kind of find peace in what works for me. And I've been able to shift my mindset and look at low intensity like Pilates and walking as a form of exercise instead of just something that I would do on a quote unquote rest day. Like, no, that's an, that's an exercise. (laughs) Right. Right. It's so true. I think, you know, that's, it's such a common maybe experience or journey. It makes you appreciate. I think when you're on the other side of those sort of struggles, what real balance and, you know, treating your body the right actually feels and looks like. And I don't know, I think I have more appreciation for the way that I treat my body now because I didn't used to treat it very well. You know? Yeah. And I also think your priorities change as you get older. Like yeah. you realize that being the skinniest person in the room isn't a goal, isn't yeah. something that you need to strive for. Like you need a healthy body with functioning hormones because you want to be yeah. able to carry a baby one day or yeah. you want to show up as a very mentally present partner instead of being yeah. preoccupied by being hungry because you didn't eat enough because you didn't allow yourself to eat the bread with your sweet green salad. Like the little things like that, you just, we're put on this planet for so much more than just what we look like. And I think the more you mature, the older you get, you just start to realize like there's so much more to be done and so much more that you could give this world than just how you physically show up. 100%. No, I love that. That's so well said. And yeah, I think that as I've evolved and, you know, had other things in my life, like now a husband, a business that I started and was growing. I think honestly, all those things or, you know, just relationships and things like that moving, like having these new things in my life, actually, you know, especially my business, really, I think over time, the fact that I, it just required a lot of my time and attention, you just don't have as much time and attention to dedicate to like another exercise or, you know, workout today or X, Y, Z, you know, it's kind of, it's in a good way. It can be really actually productive to be preoccupied with things that are actually more important, like your job or like, relationships, things like that. So I do want to talk a little bit more about um, like the nutrition side of things. Yeah, for sure. Just to kind of, I think a lot of people look at nutrition and they're very intimidated by it. And they think it's a very daunting topic, mainly because there's so much misinformation out there. And I think we overcomplicate things instead Mm -hmm. of just bringing things, you know, back to the basics, right? keeping it simple, eating balanced meals, like there are just there's just so much floating out there on the internet. For sure. Um, so can you just give us some of your like favorite, easy go-to yeah. meals? Yeah, that's great. I think that, you know, to your point, like go back to the basics because we can overcomplicate things. And I mean, listen, I love making like fun recipes and whatever, but even though recipes like on my site are always pretty quick and fast, because I'm not someone who has hours to spend in the kitchen, like everyone else on the planet. But um, I think when things are really busy, to your point, coming back to some meals that are going to be balanced and satiating, important. So I have a meal prep guide that's also on my site that breaks this down in much more detail, but I usually try to find a ways to, you know, make meals, whatever this looks like that have, you know, a veggie or veggies, protein, some sort of, some sort of, you know, carbohydrate, whether that is a starchy veggie or that's rice, quinoa, whatever. Um, and like healthy fats that could be in whatever you're cooking, like through your cooking oils, or that could be through avocado or addition to your meal. Um, and then I, in this, in my guide as well, I put flavor factor as an important element of your meal. And that could be any sort of like, maybe that's a sauce, it's a dressing. It could also be like the spices that you use to cook your food. Um, so using that basic, basic format, that's kind of how, if I'm feeling like, uh, what am I cooking for dinner or what am I getting at the grocery store? I'll try to find, you know, a veggie or two, some sort of like, you know, whether that's like, for example, that could be like roasting some Brussels sprouts. And then if I'm thinking, okay, like I need something starchy and satisfying, maybe that's, I'm going to cook up a batch of quinoa or I'm going to roast some sweet potatoes and maybe I'll like use or uh, cook some chicken in the air fryer. I do that a lot. I love air frying my chicken breasts. It's so easy. And then maybe I throw on, like I have, I love like the bitchin' sauce or like hummus or avocado or something that's like flavorful and adding to that meal. And that's it. Like it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. You don't need to eat like raw broccoli and bland chicken breast. Like that's not it. You need sure. to be not only physically 
full, but also like mentally full. Like there's right. such thing as mental hunger. And if you're making yourself eat something that you're not enjoying, like you sure. can have it both ways. You can have it healthy while also be really satiating as well right. and satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I think to your point too, a lot of that is just like the quantity that you're eating. You know, everyone is different. Yes. And you know, we said that you said this earlier, but like, I'm like you, I get apparently like I need food. I need more quantity. I've never been someone who could like live off of a bite of chicken and be full the rest of the day. Like I need food. Um, and so, you know, making sure you're eating to satisfaction. So you're not having like, you know, just the littlest meal that you feel like is what everyone else is doing. And then you're starving the rest of the day. And often that can lead to, you know, overcompensating all those kinds of things. And so it's like, eat until you're satisfied and you, you know, to your point too, there is a difference between like physical status, you know, feeling full and also, you know, making sure you're feeling satisfied inside your brain as well. Um, but yeah, kind of boring, but kind of just go back, back to the basics. Like if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. What about breakfasts? If you're like short on time in the morning, yeah. short on time, I'm a big like overnight oats fan Love overnight. They're oats. just so easy. And again, yeah. you can prep them the night before, like it does not get go. Same thing with like chia pudding. I mean, if some people like that, some people don't, I do, but super easy again to prep. Um, like in the summers, I'm, I love smoothies, but as it gets colder, I feel like that they don't sound as good to me. Maybe, um, like a yogurt bowl. If I, you know, I'm eating at home, that's easier than probably if you're on the go, but if you're on the go and you're short on time, I think like chia pudding and overnight oats are so easy. I feel like a lot of people skip breakfast. Either they're not hungry in the morning because I know that some people have like a weak stomach and they just won't really be hungry until a few hours after. But I feel like it is so important for hormone regulation and just like kickstart your metabolism. And yes, the the sooner I eat, the sooner I become hungry again for lunch. Like if I don't eat breakfast, I find that my hunger cues are all out of whack for the rest of the day. And again, that's just not good for your blood sugar and for your hormones. For sure. I would always encourage someone to eat breakfast. I think that you know, to your point, it's become maybe popular not to probably in the, you know, in the vein of over or of intermittent fasting, which, you know, again, bringing it all back to the whole idea of bio-individuality, we are all very different, but especially for the type of person that I work with is usually a twenties ish age female. And, you know, especially when we're at this time of our lives where our hormones can be kind of all over the place and sort of prepping your body to have babies and that kind of stuff, you know, making sure that you're doing everything you can to support your hormones in a really healthy, nourishing way. And it starts with, I mean, well, there's a lot of factors, managing stress, eating, you know, in a certain way, but, you know, eating frequently and enough, I think is really important. And starting your day off with a nourishing breakfast is, I mean, one, it just gives you energy and fuel to perform life activities, but it is really important for hormone regulation as well. And I would never necessarily encourage a female around our age to intermittent fast. I don't think that that is necessarily geared towards our age bracket and or gender. So I think that to your point, yeah, starting with a breakfast with a good, healthy breakfast is a really great way to, you know, help regulate your hormones and also blood sugar too. You know, every breakfast is not created equal. And, you know, obviously, eating something that's really nourishing and has, you know, good complex carbohydrate and healthy fat and protein can help you regulate your blood sugar versus having something that's pure sugar laden and is going to, you know, spike your blood sugar, have you drop or have that blood sugar drop. And then you feel really, really tired late morning or really tired early afternoon. So thinking about obviously not just eating, but eating in a way that really supports your body to, to feel energized for the rest of the day is really important. Yeah. Um, what about coffee? Do you eat, do you drink your coffee before breakfast or with your breakfast? I usually have it with my breakfast, but I would really think there is so much to be said for now having it people now I've like, I've seen it all over the place, but having it after your breakfast to your point to help with that hormone regulation. The biggest thing for me with that is I personally always struggle with high cortisol whenever I have my labs done. Me my too. Back, my, uh, cortisol and testosterone high. always high. Yeah. It's cortisol is always high. And that is what 
can be a big thing with coffee drinking. Is it obviously in, in cortisol is a hormone. It can have your, your cortisol spike beyond the normal limit, which usually cortisol is highest in the morning and it dips down as the day goes on or it decreases as the day goes on. Which but is another have, important reason to eat breakfast, right? Because it lowers your cortisol. Right, right. Okay. Exactly. So I think of it this way, like, and I actually talk about this in that workshop cortisol starts at the highest point. When you wake up, it decreases as your day goes on melatonin starts at its lowest point in the morning and increases as the day goes on. So another important reason not to do with coffee necessarily, but with, um, like being on your phone, that stimulation from your phone, the blue light, which actually decreases melatonin production. So that's why we want to stay off that in the evening or really all of our devices, not just our phones. Um, but same thing could be said, if you're right on your phone, first thing in the morning, that also can raise your cortisol beyond the normal or, you know, desired limit level. So, you know, if you do struggle, especially with anxiety or high cortisol, usually those things kind of go hand in hand, having your coffee first thing can kind of raise that cortisol past the point where you want it. And then it, you have a harder time, you know, getting into a good range throughout the day. So it can keep your, your cortisol elevated throughout the day. So, um, that can be helpful with that. Another thing, this is a kind of a random tip, but if you do struggle with high cortisol, I've started drinking Tulsi tea or holy basil tea. They're the same thing. Um, that is a really natural herbal way to reduce cortisol, excess cortisol. Um, so I've started making like big pots of Tulsi tea and then keeping it in the, um, the fridge as like iced tea. And I drink it like oh. in my, in my water bottle. So I'm like drinking Tulsi tea all day, every day. And I swear to you, it has helped so much. My really like, functional med doctor recommended that she's like, it's, I mean, I bought a big bag on Amazon for like $20 and it's like a hundred tea bags. It's awesome. I'm ordering so, that as soon as we do get it. Off yes. Because it's, every time I've ever gotten my labs taken, it's always yeah. high. And I'm just like, yeah. I just gave what up at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's like relax. You're like, no, how do, how do I, yeah. Like I want some more tangible ways to do that other than like obviously managing our stress and meditation and all that stuff's important, but some people struggle with that more than others. Me, I am one of those people. So yeah, me too. Are there any other like supplements that you take daily, like vitamins or supplements or things that you swear by? Yeah, I do. You know, again, I think with supplements, it can also be really overwhelming, confusing, similar to like nutrition. Um, and I always encourage people to to get their labs done and talk to their doctor and see what it is they actually need because supple good supplements are expensive and it is a pay what you get for a world. So I like to, I will spend more on my supplements because I want them to work. Um, so just because someone says that they're taking something does not necessarily mean that you need to take it. So I always encourage people to get, obviously get their labs done, actually see what they need. Um, but what I'm taking currently, and it does sort of ebb and flow based on the time of year and what I'm needing, but I take um, an omega-3 supplement. Nordic Naturals is the brand that I use. It's actually pretty inexpensive and is always recommended um, to me. I buy it on Amazon, omega-3s. Um, right now I'm taking a vitamin D and zinc as we kind of head into like the cooler months, just sort of immune system supporting and less, we have less daylight. So yeah. vitamin D is important. Both of those right now I'm taking through uh, the brand's Pure Encapsulations, which is a really high quality, great brand. Um, trying to think what else, uh, I'm taking some herbal supplements from my acupuncturist, which that's sort of unique to me, but, um, I am a big fan of like, you know, integrative healing methods and things like that, like acupuncture. And, um, so that's I'm my next of, question. So if you want yeah, to just perfect. speak on that, yeah. I was going to ask about like any those. services that you get yeah. regularly, whether that be acupuncture or if you've ever amazing. tried like lymphatic drainage or anything like that. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. I'm a big acupuncture person. If you live in Austin, I've probably recommended Chris, who's my acupuncturist to you. He's like my favorite person ever. He's just so nice. I've actually seen him for like maybe three and a half years now, or maybe a little bit more than that. He is just wonderful. But, um, acupuncture, I could not be a bigger like supporter of it. I think finding the right person is really important. And it's when you feel comfortable with like Chris and I just sort of like fell into to, like a really great, I don't know, rhythm with each other. And I think he's great, but, um, and he does a lot of, you know, well, acupuncture is a traditional Chinese method, medicine mode of, I don't know, healing. So we do, we talk a lot about, you know, the different organ systems and he uses a lot of herbal medicine in addition to acupuncture. So what are some of the benefits of acupuncture? It is like a medicine, but so does it much. help with like so muscle much. spasms or digestion or everything? Like you can, so, you know, we have different acupressure points 
on our body. And so you really, what we'll do is I'll go in there and this is probably not just Chris, this is all acupuncturist, but you kind of discuss, you know, what's going on. He asks about my digestion, my sleep, my stress. If I'm having any pain, you know, over time, there's been random little things. You're like, my back's hurting or whatever. Um, hormones, allergies. Like I've seen him for so many things. So every time maybe a little bit different, but over time, you know, we consistently together work on the things I tend to struggle with the most, which are stress and sleep, which it has been very, very helpful over the years. In addition to other things I'm doing in my life, but I think that's been a really important factor. Um, but years ago I was struggling with some digestive issues. He really, really helped with that. Uh, right now, like I'm, he's helping with some hormonal regulation. Like Austin always seems to has a lot of allergens. So like allergies, um, but it can help too, if you're having like, Sam, my husband has gone for, you know, some kind of chronic lower back pain. And when you go consistently, it really, really can help. And what is consistently defined as, do you go like bi-weekly every month? Yeah, it's so when I first started working with Chris, and this is what he would recommend to anybody is, you know, when you first go, he always wants to do this. Like, I want to see you more consistently, like once a week for four weeks or whatever. And then from there, you know, you can kind of go less frequently, Right now, I'm not struggling with anything super acute. So I see him sort of more for, for like maintenance, quote unquote. So I probably go, um, I don't know, maybe every three weeks or once a month kind of thing. Honestly, kind of whenever I can remember to book a session. But um, like if you're dealing with something, you know, like, oh my gosh, my digestion is totally wacky. He may, he'd be like, I want to see you once a week, at least for, you know, a few weeks until you feel like you're getting, you're seeing some progress but um, your acupuncturist would probably tell you what they recommend. Okay, that's very helpful. Um, all right, well, I'm not gonna keep you for too much longer because I know we're winding right. the end here, but I wanted to play a little game. And yeah. I don't know if you saw this on the Google yes, Doc. And we do not need to be in depth about this at all. Like it can okay. be kind of like rapid fire. Rapid you fire. can like do a few bullet points or whatever like first comes to mind. Love but it. I just kind of sat at my computer and I was making notes of like, what are some things that, listeners might be going through and I kind of took myself back to a time when I was struggling with a lot of health issues um so I'm just gonna like name a problem and as a health coach if you can just identify a few things that somebody can maybe do to combat these issues if they are prevalent in their life right now um the first one being like any GI issues or bloating and I know we probably talked about a number of these in the midst so we can just recap and move on whatever works awesome so like GI issues, bloating, I mean, I think any digestive issue, again, it can be super unique and I'm by no means a medical expert. So this is not like prescriptive advice. Yes. This would be what I would recommend to a client. Um, one, see your doctor. I mean, if there's anything sinister going on, like really going on, you want to know that, of course. Um, but what I find with a lot of people that struggle with GI issues or bloating, it can be due to restriction, actually limiting too many things in your diet. I think another really big factor here, stress, that was my problem really now, you know, with a little bird's eye view, I can look back and understand that. Um, I always like to, you know, remind people like when your body's in that fight or flight response chronically, like you're just really chronically stressed, you know, your body's diverting. It's like resources and blood flow away from your digestive system. So, you know, oftentimes that's when our digestion really slows down and it becomes an issue. So managing your stress, I think is a huge, huge part of digestive issues. And, you know, the thing too, is just making sure that you're eating a diet that is nourishing to your body and full of really good probiotics. And I love fermented foods, all that kind of stuff. But, but also, you know, knowing that if you're having really serious bloating or serious digestive issues, you're going to want to get tested and see if it's really something like, you know, is it SIBO? Is it, you know, any of these things that could be causing problems and you know, eating more fermented foods is not going to help. So, if you're really, really struggling, talk to your doctor. But overall, I think, you know, assessing how restrictive in my diet, what's my stress level, that stuff can be helpful. Awesome. And do you have any recommendations of brands for probiotics by chance? Like any that you like or recommend yeah, your clients? For sure. I love seed. I know that's all over the place. Seed's great. Um, I've taken it for a really long time. Seed is awesome. I, I've also used just some other recommendations for my doctor. Megaspore is another brand I've used before. That's really great. Um, there's another one. I can't remember, but that's okay. Follow up with you. Those two are great. Yeah. And, and coconut cold. I know that's not a supplement. It's a, Oh yogurt, my gosh. I have been wanting to try that so bad, it, but I can't justify the shipping price. I know. I know. But I started taking coconut cold. Like I literally have eaten it 
for like five years. I was like one of their, like when they first started, I was like, I got really jumped. Oh my God. Wow. I thought this was a new thing. And for those that don't know, we're saying coconut cult, C-U-L-T. Yes. Coconut cult. It is so great. One, it's just super delicious, but honestly, so high quality and more, you know, like good bugs, more, I don't know, bacteria in a good way. They had a lot of supplements and it is, again, it's a get what you pay for world and it is expensive, but I always use something like coconut cold. Like I'll take that when I have it instead of my supplement probiotic, because that is my probiotic. You know what I mean? So you can save quote unquote money that way, but it is like medicinal. It is super high quality. So that would be- What's your favorite flavor? Because I am now influenced. I'm a thousand percent. Oh yeah, they're all so good. They've had so many good- um, New releases? New ones. Like, yeah. They just did a collab with Hugh Chocolate, right? Yes. It is so good. I have it right now. It's amazing. Oh my God. There's a whole ass chocolate bar in there. There's a whole freaking chocolate bar (laughs) in it. And I love that for me. Um, (laughs) One that they're all really good. But again, they sort of rotate through like the special flavors. Um, but like for the ones that they always have the, like the mango is really good. The chocolate, I think it's like a chocolate mousse or something's really, they're all delicious. Okay. Um, kind of depends on what flavor you're. Yeah. Um, I heard plain is very sour. So if you're not like a sour, sour like yeah. Greek yogurt like type that. person, I, probably yeah. not for you. It's not as sweet. It's much more tangy, but I like that. Some people that might freak them out. Them yeah. Okay. That was really great answer. A lot of good advice in there. <laughs> Um, what if somebody is like feeling very anxious or their mind kind of won't stop running throughout the day? I resonate this, with this so much. Um, I think again, bringing back the phone free 30, I usually find or have found over time that that sort of mind won't stop running rumination happens at night. So limiting my like phone slash computer device usage before bed can be very, very helpful. I also have found that meditation has been extremely helpful for me. And, you know, I always talk with clients about like finding mindfulness practices, because that is a huge part of improving our health and also especially reducing anxiety. Meditation is very challenging for a lot of people. It was for me for a very long time. It still is to a certain extent, but it gets much easier and it is life-changing. So I would really encourage people to just start with some kind of meditation and commit to it for a certain period of time. And I think you'll over time begin to feel how it is helping them but your mindfulness practice could look like anything it could be journaling it could be a breath work it could be getting out of nature you know finding whatever that is for you it doesn't have to be meditation but something that helps you feel grounded and connected i think is really important so that would those things would probably be my top okay awesome off the top of my head love it uh next thing inflammation in like the skin or the body yeah I mean, diet plays a big role, obviously, in inflammation. I mean, as can stress and a multitude of other factors. But um, I think, you know, when you're really feeling inflamed, looking at your habits in regards to like eating and drinking can be really helpful. Um, for example, like alcohol, big, super inflammatory, you know, super inflammatory yeah. for everybody. Um, and when it comes to diet, you know, again, certain things are inflammatory for different people, like gluten or dairy are, you know, two common triggers for many people. But I also would never encourage someone like, Hey, let's cut out all gluten and dairy. If it doesn't, if that has no real impact for them. So again, you know, testing, talking to your doctor can be very helpful. Um, my approach towards diet in general is really more of a adding in approach than a cutting out approach. So before I would say, you know, Hey, let's cut out all gluten and dairy and see how you feel. It would be, you know, what can we add in? It's the really, you know, anti-inflammatory dark leafy greens. It's anti-inflammatory spices like turmeric and, um, ginger and, you know, garlic and all these things are really, really, um, nutrient dense. What else? I think, you know, being mindful of like the cooking oils that you're using, let's add in some more like avocado and olive oil and, trying to think some other good anti-inflammatory tips. I think, you know, I feel like those are great. Yeah, those are great. And by nature, those things sort of, you know, limit some of the things that might be triggering, like, you know, processed foods and, you know, inflammatory oils and things like that. But I always like the folks to be more on what to add in, I think. Yeah, no, I love that approach. Um, What about an irregular menstrual cycle or absent? Yeah, absent. I mean, one of the biggest things here is, are you eating enough? You know, I think that that is one of the most common causes of, you know, for women to lose their period is simply not eating enough. Cause that completely like dysregulates your, you know, your menstrual cycle, your hormones and all of the things. So 
you know, are you eating enough? Are you underweight? Also, you know, stress is a huge component in, um, in irregularity with your ventral cycle. You know, as we know, we talked about this earlier, but like cortisol is so impactful for how that impacts all of our other, you know, our sex hormones. So being mindful of, again, reducing cortisol, if it is out of range and finding ways to, you know, to mitigate that through mindfulness practices and diet and sleep and all those kinds of things. Um, so I think diet or like just weight and stress are two huge components there. I mean, obviously there can be a lot of other things that people can be struggling yeah, with behind the curtain, PCOS, PCOS or, you know, any of these different things. But again, talking to your doctor, I, I kind of go back to that too. Cause I think a lot of people simply don't talk to their doctors. Um, but starting with some of those lifestyle things can be really, really helpful too. Okay. Um, I'm kind of going to group the next two. So I have like burnout and lack of motivation. Yeah. But I'm also going to throw in dreading exercise. Like just an overall, like, I think we can just summarize it as burnout. Burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, burnout impacts everything. I actually, not to come back to these things continuously, but I also led a workshop on burnout because it's so common. And I think sometimes going into the end of the year, maybe people are kind of like feeling that a little bit right now. Um, But burnout is a legitimate condition that people can experience and it can be you know, it sort of manifests both physically and like mentally emotionally it's not just like i'm exhausted like i'm sick of my job you know it can really manifest physically too which to your point might be why someone might feel unmotivated to work out because your body is just exhausted just like yeah. your brain is too from whatever so i mean gosh there's so much i could talk about with burnout but i think the biggest thing is just you know, really maybe taking some time off if that's what you need. And maybe that's time off from exercise. Maybe that's, I'm going to take a few days of PTO. I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to do something that literally removes me from these things. So I can take some time to really recharge my batteries. But at the end of the day, if you come back from that little time off and get right back into the same cycle, it's not going to be helping, helping you. So doing a little bit more of an analysis of what is draining my energy so exponentially that I'm feeling this way. And that probably is a multitude of things. Um, but I think there's a lot of things in life that we give a lot of time and effort and energy to that doesn't necessarily serve us. So I think doing a little bit, if, if you're feeling this way, it might be a huge sign to do a little bit of right reprioritization. I always so say much. too, like burnout isn't always a byproduct of like doing too much. Sometimes it's doing yeah. too little of the things that fill you up. And so One. it's like finding that balance of like engaging in activities and forms of exercise that make us yeah. feel better and kind of recharge us, like you said, instead yeah. of taking our battery. So I love that. The... Next one, feeling out of control around food. This is a great one. Um, I think, I mean, we sort of touched on this maybe a little bit earlier, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of it kind of goes back to sort of the binge restrict cycle that so many people um, struggle with. And I mean, I sure did for a long time, kind of bringing back to more of my college days too, is I think you begin to feel more out of control around food when food controls you, you know, and um, being, you know, so strict and rigid around what you allow yourself to eat really does not set us up for success in the long run. And, you know, the more that you restrict and again, keep these things out of your life during your normal, I don't know, normal routine, normal life, weekdays, whatever, only really sets us up to feel out of control, quote unquote, around food. When we, maybe you drink and your inhibitions are a little bit lower, or you finally are so freaking hungry that you overdo it on all these things that you never allow yourself usually. So I find that, you know, you feel more like more in quote control around food when you just find these little ways to allow food to not control you. So actually allowing yourself to have the dessert or the French fries or whatever on a Wednesday every now and then, and like just release your control over food and sort of releasing these, um, parameters maybe around when you yeah. allow yourself certain things it just it takes away the control and the power that food has there's so much fixation on it yes. and like i feel like sometimes fixation and this food obsession it's a really big red flag because it really sure. shouldn't hold this much power or this much mind space it's kind yes, of something 100%. that you should like it's a part of your day because it's enjoyable yes yeah. 
And it's also a form of energy that is required to go about your day. And it can be enjoyable and it can serve that purpose, but it's also, it cannot have you in chains and occupy your every single thought, which I think sometimes it does. And for sure. And food is, you know, whenever, if we're struggling with these sorts of behaviors, you know, and I, again, so understand this because I've lived it. So using food, usually when we're trying to control it, it's because we're feeling out of control and other elements of our lives for whatever reason. But what you find is like, you know, you're using you're trying to control your food so that you feel in control, but it really ends up controlling you. And then you're like, I'm really the fool in this whole situation. Like it is running my entire life. And you know, the really, the way that you regain actual control and power is by releasing the grip a little bit around it. And that can seem very scary, but, um, but I think a lot of that, it happens over time and it comes through just being a little bit kinder to yourself too, and giving yourself a little bit more grace and understanding your own, humanity and you know that life is so much bigger to your point than just like what you're eating that day um it took me a while to kind of understand that and now I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe that 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 took up that much brain space at one point in my life you know so true so true it's so such a worthwhile process like you said it's not easy but through the hard work and through just allowing yourself permission to you know be human yeah yes um it's very rewarding that was the last one I had. I was going to touch on blood sugar, but I feel like we already talked about balancing blood sugar. Yeah, true. You referenced some workshops throughout. So where can people access these? So if you go to my website, there's a little shop tab button at the top. And then all my pre-recorded like workshops, because I do them live like over Zoom. And then I'll record them and put them up there. People couldn't join or want to do it later. So those are there. And then my like my meal prep guide, which is like an actual ebook is on there as well. So everything is on um on my website, which is, which is goodnesswithg.com. Sorry. Perfect. I should have said that. And your Instagram is also that as well, right? Yes. Goodness with G is everything. Well, thank you so much. It's just so great. Thank you. It was so nice meeting and chatting with you. All right. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Bye.